believe the reality that Jesus was sent by the Father into the world and that we have the gift of eternal life. My dad's going to rescue me. And that's what happened on that cross. The Father sent the Son to rescue us from the pit of hell. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. If you've been following along on our broadcast, you know that David is leading us through an intensive study of the Gospel of John. If you've missed any of his teachings in this series, you can find them on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Today, David takes us to the sixth chapter in part two of a message called True Soul Food. You don't need to decouple yourself from the Old Testament. You need to study the Old Testament and see how Jesus is in every part of the Old Testament. He's thoroughly in the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament points to Him. And that's why Jesus said, it is written, and then quotes from the Old Testament. The other thing is, if Jesus is truly God in human flesh, come from the Father to this earth, and He quotes the Old Testament, folks, that means the Old Testament is the Word of God. Genesis through Malachi is the Word of God. Why? If God quotes it and says this is true, then we've got to have God's perspective on the Old Testament. Jesus said it is written and then quotes from the prophet of Isaiah. And then he continues, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So if the Father is teaching you, you're going to come to Jesus. If you're seeking God, you'll find Jesus because Jesus is God who is seeking you as well. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Well, who's that? That's Jesus who came from the Father, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He had seen the Father, but no one who lives in human flesh other than Jesus has ever seen the face of the Father. Then verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, listen up, amen and amen. This is really important. Jesus is about to make a very important point. Whoever, there's that whoever, you choose, whoever believes has eternal life. Now, that's how we know Jesus intimately. We understand these parts of the family. Let me run through them real quickly again. First of all, you understand that the cross was accomplished by Jesus in great pain, but he had joy in that pain because we are the reward of going for that cross. And because of that, we're now adopted into the family of the Father in heaven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through the Son, we're adopted into his family. We are children of God. Jesus is our big brother. Now, folks, on those days that you want to know Jesus personally, just remember he came as the Father's Son to us and now as our big brother to rescue us, to adopt us into the family of God. There's nothing we could do to earn that. For those of you out there who have fostered or adopted, you know you chose your children to be in your family because you just wanted them in your family. There was nothing meritorious in them that allowed you to choose them. You just loved them deeply. The same is true for us. There's nothing we did to earn God's favor. There's nothing meritorious in our works that would make God love us. He just loves us because he loves us. He adopted us into his family because he simply wanted us to be in his family. We're heirs of everything the Father in heaven owns. He has written us into his will. What a glorious, wonderful, magnificent reality that God has given us. We are in his family. It was a joy for Jesus to go to the cross to be able to adopt us into his family. You also need to know we're always in the family. You know, in military terms, for those of you who've been in the military, you know that the United States military is unique because if there's ever a soldier who has been wounded or even missing in action or captured, we move heaven and earth to try to get that one soldier back. It is unique to America's military force. Other militaries, people are captured or killed or whatever, they just let them go. There's no further thought. But in the American military experience, there's no one left behind. 
That is the military family, and, and they share a unique bond even to this day. Well, so do we in the family of God. As we're called as soldiers of Jesus to live for him and maybe even die for him, we give our lives for his glory and his glory alone. We can never be left behind. Never, ever be left behind. That we are in his family and he will in no way ever cast us out. That's a great message about the family of God. Also, you need to know that Jesus is our great protector in our family. Um, I know this as a reality because as a father for my kids, I'm a great protector of them. You know, I'm not a violent man. I'm a very calm and peaceful man. But if anybody ever came after my kids, I can guarantee you I could become violent quickly. I could protect them with the greatest possible energy because of my deep and abiding love for them. In 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul says that if we don't take care of our families as fathers especially, we're worse than infidels. We're worse than unbelievers. We're worse than pagans. The whole idea there is a good, loving father will protect his family. I protect my family. I know that I am a guardian of my family and all that happens to them. I'm also a gardener that I nurture my family with good nutrients so that they can grow in the Lord. But I draw boundaries around my family. I don't let them watch certain things, but particularly from the outside, I say, no, you can't come in here because I am the protector of my family. So is the Father in heaven. If you are in his family, he is protecting you. He's overseeing you. He cares for you. And as a father, I am strong in my protection. Let me just add this because next week's Mother's Day, what a great day that will be for us as we worship together at Movement Mortgage. Every mama bear knows this truth. You get near my cubs, and I'm coming after you. I know Marilyn felt that way about our three. She was a protector as well. Now, think about this. If fathers and mothers here protect their children so much, how much more the heavenly Father through his Son and the Holy Spirit protect children here? We are a part of his family, and that's the way we can know Jesus intimately, know how much we are loved by him and how we've been adopted into his family forever and ever. Well, then comes the question, how do we continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus? We know him now intimately. We're a part of his family. Are there some ways we can continue to grow? And the answer is absolutely there are. And we need to look at verses 48 through 56 here on some ways to grow in him. Let's start with verse 46. I am the bread of life, the second time Jesus states it. Another God statement, another claim to deity. He says it again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So here again, Jesus talks about the manna in the wilderness. They ate it, but the next day they got hungry again and needed it again. Jesus said, but I am the bread of life, and when you eat of me, I am living bread who's come down from heaven, and when you eat of me, I satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And even more than that, you'll not die. You're never going to die, folks, if you love Jesus. Here's what's going to happen when the end of your earthly body ceases to exist. You're going to close your eyes like you go to sleep, and you're going to open up your eyes, and you'll be in the presence of Jesus. You'll be in his presence. The first face you'll see is his. And then right after that, I think you're going to see the faces of all those you have loved who are there to welcome you home. Have you figured it out? This place, as beautiful as it is, as hope farm is. As beautiful as it is, it's not our home. Our home is heaven, and that's where we're going. And Jesus is saying here, if you believe in him, you will not die. It's just not going to happen. 
Look at verse 51. I am the living bread. A third time he says it. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Notice again how often Jesus talks about he came down. He left the beauty of heaven to come into the ugliness of this world. Why? Because of love. He came down to all of us. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. (laughs) He says it again. Eat of him, ingest him, take him into your heart. Let him forgive you of all of your sins, be in a relationship with him, and you will live forever. That's the rescue mission he came on. And the bread that I will give for the life, the world is my flesh. So he wants us to eat of his flesh, not literally. In fact, the early pagans would read these verses and accuse Christians of cannibalism. They would oftentimes persecute them because they perceived them as being cannibalists because they thought, well, Jesus said, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. That's not what he's talking about here. When he's talking about his flesh, he's talking about his body, his broken body on that cross, his dead body on that cross. And when we ingest the reality of that cross and forgiveness, we are never the same and we have the gift of eternal life. Again, a rescue mission to save us from the reality of hell. Well, the Jews, verse 52, disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, Jesus often used physical examples to give us spiritual realities. He did so with the woman at the well, for example, in John 4, talking about the water she was drawing up as a reality of living water that she could drink and she'd never thirst again. But they didn't get it either. They couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. Verse 53, so Jesus said to them, he tried to explain to them, truly, truly, I say to you, there it is again, you know, listen up, amen and amen, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in him, unless you ingest the blood. I mean, Leviticus 17 says that life is in the blood. None of us live unless there's blood. Blood is the most important factor we have within our bodies to transmit all of the different nutrients and things we need to live in our body. So Jesus says, unless you drink of his blood and you eat of his flesh, and you take, unless you take his full life inside of you, you have no life in you. Every single one of us, before meeting Jesus, were dead people walking. Dead men walking was the name of a movie some years ago. We had life, we walked around, but spiritually we were dead in our sins and trespasses. But we have to take Jesus' life within us to give us the true life of eternity. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. When you drink of Jesus' blood, his life, when you eat of his flesh, his life, and you know forgiveness... Your life is transformed, and now you have the gift of eternal life. And here it is again, and I will raise him up on the last days. Oh, you do know there's going to be a last day, don't you? God is the one who created this world. He began the world with one day. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He began on the first day. There will be a last day. And on that last day, Jesus will take all of his followers home forever to be with him. And you see here Jesus then saying, for... My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Real reality, dear friends, is in Jesus. Not the tawdry baubles of this world. Not the junk food of this world that you eat of and it doesn't last. All the stuff you ingest from social media and television and movies that's godless and horrific and violent and highly sexualized and teaching you lies about who you are and your gender realities, all of those things, false teachings coming into your heart, that's not true food. Jesus wants to give you true food, his flesh, his blood that will allow you to live like you've never lived before. Then verse 56, whoever 
feeds on my flesh. And the verb tense there in the Greek is keeps on feeding. So there's the way to grow. You keep on feeding on Jesus. Dear friends, I've known Jesus for decades, and I'm still feasting on him. I'm still feeding on him, and he's still teaching me new things about himself and deepening his life of grace in my heart, eradicating places of selfishness and sinfulness that I need to get rid of. He wants us to keep on feeding on his flesh and drink his blood and abides in me and I in him. Let me stop there just for a second. The whole key of ingesting the body and blood of Jesus is found in this term, abide. It means union life. My life is in Jesus, and Jesus' life is in me. We are inextricably connected together. The the closest example we have on this side of eternity is what marriage is supposed to be. Uh, In Genesis 2.24, a man and woman leave their mom and dad, and they cleave unto one another with vows, and then the two become one flesh. That's what God wants in marriage. But even more so, with God the Father in Jesus. In fact, in John 17, we'll get there in a while later, Jesus says, as the Father is in me, so the Father is in you. So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as he is in union life with the Father, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Godhead in the Trinity living inside of us. And as we abide in him, as we rest in him, as we nurture in him, he continues to teach us and causes us to grow in him The best way to grow in Jesus is through this word. Study this word. This Bible is Jesus. It's all about him. And as you read this word and know it more and more, you know more and more about Jesus. You abide in him and he abides in you and your union life increases and you grow in your relationship with him. And so finally, let's spend our last couple of verses on looking at not only knowing Jesus, but growing in Jesus, but where we're ultimately going to go in our relationship with him. We've already alluded to it, but Jesus concludes with a crescendo. Verse 57, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds, continues to feed on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. There it is again, not like the bread The fathers ate and died in the wilderness. They ate the manna, and then they ultimately died. And here's what's so cool. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. As you feed on Jesus, keep feeding on Jesus, you have the promise that you're going to live forever. You're going to be with him forever. Stephen Covey, a very famous leadership guru, one time said, leaders need to remind their people with a vision to begin with the end in mind. Give a picture of what the end looks like and then start moving toward that. I, I believe the same thing as a pastor. Dear friends, every one of you who loves Jesus, begin with the end in mind. Get the death issue solved. It's the greatest fear people experience today. It's what's driven COVID to craziness. What will cause us to have peace in our hearts is to get the death issue solved. Once we know that Jesus the second person of the Godhead came to this earth, sent from the Father. He came down to us to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins so that whoever believes in him will have the gift of eternal life. I'm never going to die. I'm going to open my eyes and be with heaven. I've got the death issue solved, so let's enjoy the rest of our lives. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life, but life in abundance. The way you have abundant life in Jesus is, first of all, get the death issue solved and then enjoy the rest of your life. So whoever believes in him will never die. What a wonderful, glorious promise that the Lord has given to us. And let's conclude this section. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. He is in Capernaum a fairly significant city during that time, and he's in a synagogue teaching these things. 
Not the temple in Jerusalem, but synagogue, kind of many churches, if you will, all over the land where people could come and hear the word of the Lord and worship him. So the bottom line in today's message is to believe the reality that Jesus was sent by the Father into the world and that we have the gift of eternal life. It's like a father who might have his daughter or son kidnapped by terrorists and held in an awful prison. And that father, because of great love, leaves his home and he goes to try to find them. He might have bullets fired at him. He might get into fistfights. He might be bludgeoned in some cases, but he won't give up until he gets his son or his daughter home again. Finally, he grabs them and brings them back home again. And their relationship of love is like never before. Why? Because the son or daughter says, no matter what happens to me, my dad's going to come to me. My dad's going to rescue me. And that's what happened on that cross. The father sent the son to rescue us from the pit of hell. Let me ask this question before we leave. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you a whosoever? Or are you eating the junk food of this world that doesn't satisfy? I beg you. I implore you to receive Jesus. In the book of Ezekiel, it says that whoever proclaims the truth, if they proclaim the truth and people reject it, the blood's not on the preacher's hands. But if the preacher doesn't proclaim the truth, the blood's on his hands. I don't want any blood on my hands. I want to make sure all of you go to heaven. Anyone watching right now, the numbers that are watching online, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is say, Father, I accept your Son and his gift on the cross of eternal life. I confess my sins, I repent of them, now start to mold me into your image and let me eat of your spiritual food forever. If you just prayed that prayer, Jesus will enter your heart. He'll come inside of you. You have ingested him and he will begin the process of conforming you to his image, making you look more and more like him every single day. I have seen marriages restored, folks. I've seen alcoholics delivered from alcohol. I've seen drug addicts uh, delivered from drug addictions. I have seen people with great fears now have great faith and be free from their fears. I've seen it happen in all of my years of ministry, and God's not a respecter of persons. What happened to all those others can happen to you. Please give your life to Jesus, not only to have eternal life, that's important within itself, but to have life now, like you've never had it before, and to set you free from the power of sin and death forever and ever. It's in Jesus' name I ask this, amen. listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about the fight against our biggest enemy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp, holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. 
With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jen. Great being with you too. In this morning's e-devotion, you said that our biggest enemy is ourselves. Will you unpack that for us? I will, uh, because the truth is in life, we have all different kinds of enemies that come our way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's people who betray us or who hurt us or just come against us for a variety of reasons. There are financial pressures, job pressures. Our kids always bring challenges into our lives. So we look at all the different things that come our way. But I would suggest to everyone listening right now, the biggest enemy you'll probably have in your life ever is yourself. Mm. It is you. It's your own struggles and temptations, the things that come your way that cause you to make bad choices. And when you make those bad choices, you suffer the consequences by those bad choices. And I've always believed that the disciplined person is the freest person of all. Mm. When you've been able to discipline your life and say no to those temptations that come your way, to say no to those enemies that want to threaten your heart from falling into despair, When you can do that, you're a free person Mm -hmm. because you're able to choose the Lord, choose his will, choose his desires, and then you're unable to fall into the trap of people-pleasing or whatever the problem Mm -hmm. may be that you face. That's really good. And one of the things that comes to mind is disciplining our minds. How, How do we do this? Well, I think we have to learn how to take every thought captive. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that our mind has a huge vacancy sign over the door into the mind and all kinds of different guests, both good and bad, want to come in. Those bad guests are evil, negative, critical, angry thoughts, and we've got to spear them, to use Pauline language, we've got to usher them out of our minds and say, no, for you, I have a no vacancy sign up. You're not welcome here. But for the good things in life, like the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness, faithful, gentleness, self-control, good thoughts that encourage, build up. We say, oh, you are welcome. Vacancy, Mm. come on in. Mm. And when you spear every negative thought and invite it out of your life, Mm. but you allow those good thoughts to come into your life, you are then filling your mind with the right kind of thoughts that then produce the right kind of emotions, which then produce the right kind of actions. This reminds me of a personal story. When my first child was born, I was at that point of transition, which is the the ultimate pain. And I remember just thinking, I'm done. I can't do this. I'd rather die. Mm. And, and I didn't verbalize that, but it was in my mind. And right at that moment, my husband was sitting next to me and he started reading, think on what is noble, what is pure. And the power of him reading that scripture over me transformed the moment. And of course, I have a beautiful 13-year-old there daughter because go. of that. There you go. And Philippians 4, 8 is what he read. Mm-hmm. And I would adjure every listener to read that as well. You know, we are far too casual 
visual in our thought life, Jen. I agree. With what we watch on television, social media, what we read, we let all kinds of negative junk come in carelessly, casually. And believe me, what you think on is what will cause you to feel. And if people are depressed today, it's probably because their thought life has dwelt on something that's depressing. Wow, this is so powerful. Thank you so much for these insights today. Thank you, listeners, for joining us as well. And if you'd like to receive from me a daily written moment of hope, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there every day in your inbox at 7 a.m. will arrive a written moment of hope from my heart to yours to help give your day hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our Sunday morning worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock, in person or by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. Also, check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for unity in our divided nation.